Is it ethical to use fear in marketing? In today's episode, we will explore the power of fear in marketing communications and how some use fear as a motivator. And we'll look at 11 and a half questions that you can ask to make sure you're using fear ethically and authentically. Do you feel like you compromise your values when you write marketing copy? Does creating ethical communication strategies perplex you? Imagine the business opportunities that would open up when you take a stand to market without manipulation. Now is the time. Disrupt your marketplace by using God-inspired marketing strategies to connect with your customers. Hear how other Christ followers in business are exchanging today's hype for authentic alignment. The Joyful Communications Podcast dives into ways to communicate effectively with integrity. Here's your host, Chief Communication Strategist, Joy Caps. Over the past few episodes, we've looked at what copywriting is and how it's used to communicate and market. We've explored the power of our minds to impact everything, including our communications. And we've taken a dive into the power of emotions to motivate action. So I'm really excited because today we are going to start drilling down into specific emotions and how they are used. We're going to start with fear. You know, fear is an emotion that we're all familiar with because, well, we all possess it in one way or another, be it from real or imagined threats, which ends up making it a really popular emotion for selling based on potential loss and negative feelings. So stick with me as we go through this episode and we'll examine the why, the how, the what, and the when of fear in four points. We'll look at why fear is so persuasive, common practices for using fear in marketing, what God's word says about fear, and we'll look at 11 and a half questions to help you determine when it's ethical to use fear in your marketing communications. So let's dive in. Fear. You know, it's deeply wired into our reactions. It starts in the brain and it rapidly spreads through the body to make adjustments for a defense move or reaction. You know, that fight or flight, as they say. Merriam-Webster defines fear as an unpleasant emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger, which brings me to my first point. If fear evokes feelings of dread, apprehension, and anxiety, why is fear so persuasive? Well, psychologists say that fear is a natural and biological condition that we all experience. Fear is so motivating because, well, it's it's a primal emotion. If we drill deep into that primal emotion, we'll find that many sources say fear is something that is naturally born into us, and it generates an unpleasant feeling when we think we're in danger. It is that feeling that happens when we perceive dangers or threats. They may not be real, but we perceive them to be true. So fear really is a survival response. And the the irony is that some people thrive on that. 
I mean, think about the thrill seekers or those that really get into the horror movies, while others, like me, well, we try to avoid those fears. Well, why does that happen? You see, fear is physical. It changes your blood pressure and your heart rate. It's a human emotion that can help keep us safe. It can create pleasure for those who are getting into, oh, I don't know, the the roller coasters or haunted houses. Although that excitement from fear and that phenomenon, it can change over time. I'm speaking from experience because, oh, about three decades ago, I couldn't get enough of roller coasters. And today, you can pay me enough money to get on one. You know, studies show that humans are born with two types of fear. The fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. But the the majority of the fears that we possess, well, they're learned. Yeah, you know, fear makes your brain foggy. So your reasoning and your judgment are impacted. And then this last point about fear is really key. You see, when fear interrupts our decision-making, we become susceptible to impulsive decisions and reactions. In basic terms, fear-based decision-making happens when you become afraid of a potential outcome, whether it's real or not, which is why fear-based decision-making is a thread that many pull on in their marketing techniques and tactics. Enter one of the greatest emotions used to persuade and get people to do things. And of course, that one emotion is fear. Simply said, fear is persuasive because it can be used to scare people into changing their attitudes by honing in on negative consequences that may happen if they don't take a specific action. I mean, think about it for a minute. We've all been exposed to this. You know, the anti-smoking or anti-driving while intoxicated advertising campaigns? Well, they're very similar in nature. They focus on a specific message for a specific audience with a specific recommended behavior. Here's an example. The message is driving under the influence impacts those who are driving, riding with the driver, or those they could potentially hit while they're intoxicated. But the behavior that they want to evoke is, well, you don't want that to happen, so call a cab or an Uber. Let someone else be the designated driver, but don't drive under the influence. With these things in mind, it's really easy to see why sales and marketing use fear. They do it to increase their conversions to sales. Because putting the finger on someone else's fears can persuade them to do pretty much anything. Which brings me to my second point. So how is fear used? I mean, what are the common practices for using fear? Well, we touched on it a few seconds ago. When you put your finger on someone's fears, you can persuade them to do pretty much anything. So it has become over the years a deceptive sales and marketing technique because with the knowledge that emotions trump logic, high-pressure sales tactics try to force you to make a decision and fast. I mean, think about it for a second. Have you ever been on a sales call where the person makes you an offer that you know you must have? They've said all the right things to make you salivate and you need it right that minute. But 
then they share the catch. If you want what they just caused you to salivate over, you have to act now before the end of this call to get the deal. That's manipulation. They do that because they know your emotions will say yes. But if you're given the time to logically weigh things out, your logic may win and you'll probably say no. If you find out what your customer's fears are, well, you can use words to trigger specific emotions. Getting your prospective customer to focus on their fear finds you creating a situation where they'll be eager to hear about whatever it is that you have as a solution to remove that fear and they'll want to buy it right away. That sounds ideal. And sadly, many use that technique to make people putty in their hands and get them to open their wallets for things they don't need. They may even be using fear as a tactic to get people to open their wallets and buy vaporware. I know that's happened for things I've witnessed firsthand in the past. Things that don't even exist, people are paying money for. The sad truth of the matter is that fear and anxiety are among the most popular selling tactics in the marketplace. And it's really been that way for centuries. In fact, if you type in the the phrase, use fear to sell in Google or any search engine, but in Google in particular, I saw over 600 million options appear within seconds. Another form of what I'm calling fear-based research it's, it really happens by looking inside most email inboxes today. There's subject lines there. Read through them. You'll find them. They read things like this. Relinquish your fear. 5 p.m. and it's gone. It's your last day. Prices go up in 24 hours. You will lose $2,500 in less than 24 hours. Talk about fear tactic. You know, since fear works like magic, most marketers and copywriters use fear as a mighty sword to get people to take action. Those email subject lines like the ones that I just read, they pull in a thread of fake fear just hard enough to evoke curiosity, be relatable, and keep people off balance with a goal of manipulating people to take unnecessary action talk about smarmy used car salesman tactics. Fear-based marketing and selling, well, it comes in a variety of shapes and sizes from the fear of the unknown to the fear of health problems like weight gain, or even the fear of missing out like those that we just read. And here's a fact, twisted realities that sell solutions based on fear, they don't align with God's word. Think about it for a second. The fear of missing out that the servant used with Eve was not blessed by God. Why? Because it was manipulative. All the same, fear motivates people to take action. But know this, not all fear is bad. Fear can create good changes too. Case in point, think about the person who has a lifestyle of not eating right and not exercising. They create unhealthy situations that can lead to a series of health issues and even death. One trip to the ER or a bad test result may find the doctor painting a grim picture of what might happen, how their life might be shortened if they don't make some serious changes. Well, that's an example of fear as a positive motivator. You know, many marketers focus on fear 
the negative consequences from that fear, and they do that to capture attention and interest. Once they build their business case, then they share how their product or service can help the prospective customer avoid that thing that they fear. And and really sounds harmless enough. In fact, I've used that technique many times, but I've done so ethically and authentically because you see it's the intent behind pulling on the thread of fear that creates that slippery slope of twisted realities and manipulation. Manipulation creeps in when the fear creates a false situation to make the consequences of not buying the solution seem like a no-brainer, a must-have, a do-or-die kind of thing. In this case, the acronym for fear works, false evidence appearing real. That is what you and I want to avoid at all costs. In my research of how fear is used in marketing, Sadly, there's a laundry list of how-to steps that people offer. The basic formula finds marketers pinging on an existing fear, empathizing with that fear, and then offering a solution to remove that fear or whatever is threatening the person. Now, it's a framework that many of us use, including myself, that we use it to create connections. It's the PAS formula, problem, amplify, solve. But It's not bad in and of itself when it's done authentically without manipulation. In fact, there's nothing wrong with that approach. It's when things are fabricated and made up that it becomes wrong. One classic example of using fear is found in an ad from the World Wildlife Fund. You may have seen it. It's a picture of a human with a head that looks like a fish. And the caption reads, stop climate change before it changes you. Of course, the response they are hoping for is someone opening their wallet to donate to help the environment. The image and the copy paint a somewhat ludicrous situation that effectively makes a point. Other copywriters tout how calming your customers' fears is one of the quickest ways to get them on your side. Those approaches, while effective, also run the risk of being fake, manipulative, and unreal. When done well, fear-based marketing can create fears and insecurities in people that didn't even exist. A classic example from years gone by demonstrates that this happened with Listerine. Yeah, Listerine. They created a fake medical condition around bad breath by pinging on the concept of halitosis. Their ad copy read, halitosis makes you unpopular. Since halitosis never announces itself to the victim, you simply cannot know when you have it. Well, that's pretty sad. Here's a few others. If you died today, who would take care of your family? That's from an insurance and financial product. Or how about this one? There's a photo of a young man who's being spoon-fed with a horrible scar across his shaved head, and the caption reads, I won't use a helmet. It makes me look stupid. Now, those real ads make it very easy to see how the emotion of fear can get people to do things. But here's the point that I've been driving towards. The greatest commandments of the Bible say not to use fear to get people to do things. Which brings me to my third point. So what does God's word say about fear? 
Well, first, it's interesting for us to remember that we are created in God's image, and fear was not part of the original package. In fact, fear didn't enter human minds until Genesis chapter 3. You remember this story, right after Adam and Eve did that one thing they were told not to do, which was eating from the tree of knowledge. And they were afraid to see God because they were naked and, and they feared being exposed. Case in point, Eve didn't even know that she should be fearful of the snake, which was Satan disguised as a serpent. I believe that's why she was so gullible and was able to listen to his lies and do what he said by eating the forbidden fruit. She didn't even know that she was supposed to be scared. And from that moment forward, fear became a very real thing baked into the DNA of all of mankind. So fear is a bad thing, right? Well, no, not necessarily. You may be surprised to learn that the Bible mentions fear in two different ways, two specific types of fear. There's beneficial fear that is actually encouraged, such as the fear of the Lord, you know, rever- reverential awe of God, a reverence for his power and glory, acknowledging who he is. And then the second type of fear, well, it's detrimental and it's the kind of fear where we need to overcome it. The beneficial type of fear that rings with blessings that's tied to wisdom and understanding. I mean, check out Psalm 111.10. And that's where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord leads to life, security, and confidence. Other verses that support that would be Proverbs 19.23 and Proverbs 14.26 and 27, just to name a few. Now, the negative type of fear that we need to overcome is a spirit that makes us afraid and anxious, which is unfortunately the most common type of fear that you and I are probably familiar with on a regular basis. This type of fear is typically taught to us by other humans, situations that we've been exposed to, or experiences that we've had. One easy example that comes to mind is the common fear of sharks. Most people from my generation have had this fear deeply embedded into their minds from watching the classic movie Jaws. Most of us have never even seen a shark in person, but the fear from that movie is deeply ingrained in our minds, and it keeps many people from going in the ocean. The good news is, is that the negative type of fear, no matter what it is, can be overcome with God's love. One scripture I love to claim whenever negative fear tries to creep its way into my psyche is 2 Timothy 1.7, which says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of sound mind. Well, let's unpack that for a second. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of sound mind. Why does that ring true? Well, because we were created in God's image. And remember what I said earlier, fear was not part of the original package. That came from the sin of Adam and Eve eating that forbidden fruit. Some sources say that fear not is written over 300 times in the Bible, while other sources refute that number. But regardless of the count, we can overcome fear by keeping our eyes on God and receiving His love. Look up 1 John 4.18 and you'll see what I mean. 
You know, a key point to realize is that all of us, you, me, everyone, we're guilty of allowing man-made worldly fears to get in the way of our relationship with God. And when we do that, we miss out on so much. A couple of verses address that. Psalm 34.4 tells us that when we seek Him, He will answer us and deliver us from all of our fears. Now, the story that comes to mind, a personal example for me, actually goes back to uh, an encounter I had with sharks. It's a really cool story, but in the interest of time, let's just say I had a lot of fear running through me as I was diving in the ocean. And the first thing that I did in that experience as I started crying out to the Lord, I started quoting scripture and I felt his peace and his love surround me. And I'm talking to you now, so obviously I survived. Another verse you might want to look at is Hebrews 13, 6. And that tells us that since the Lord is our helper, we should not fear what man might do to us, even through those man-made worldly fears. You may be asking by now, so Joy, what does what God say about fear have to do with marketing communications? Well, everything especially for the Christ-following business leader and marketing communications professional. Anyone who is on a quest to follow God's moral compass needs to be aware of the types of fear that God's Word dives into, what it says about those fears, and how to use fear ethically and authentically in your marketing communications and copywriting. Wait a minute. You're probably thinking, put the brakes on. Did you just say that we can use fear in our marketing communications and copywriting? And the answer is, well, yeah, absolutely. If, and there's a big if here, if you use fear in a way that is aligned with the teachings of God's word and you don't manufacture fears and you don't put your finger on the pulse of someone's fears just to get them to do something. Which brings me to my fourth and final point. When is it ethical to use fear in marketing communications? You know, I really sat with the Lord on this one, and the answer is pretty simple. In fact, it's common sense. There's really only one way to use fear ethically and authentically. You can use fear when it's the truth, when you don't make something up just to get people to do things, when you don't stretch the truth and you don't use hyperbole or exaggeration. So how can you figure out the best way to do that? Well, here's where the 11 and a half questions come in. Stick with me. I'm going to walk through these pretty quickly. The good news, by the way, is you can download these later. I'll give you the URL at the end. But the first question I want you to ask whenever you're writing marketing communications is, do you know what keeps your customers up at night? Do you know what they fear that your solutions solve? If you answered yes, you can use that in your marketing communications. You can talk about that fear when you have a genuine not fabricated understanding. Okay, question two. 
Does your customer think the thing they fear could happen to them? Or perhaps it's already happening to them? Well, here's the answer. If you say yes, you can talk about that fear when you have, are you ready? A genuine, non-fabricated understanding. And you're not using the fear to manipulate your prospective customer. Now, I know we're getting into a cadence here. I promise I'll mix it up in a bit, but here's another one. Does your customer believe the thing that they fear is avoidable and preventable? If the answer is yes, then wait for it. You can use this fear when you have genuine, non-fabricated understanding of the fear. Okay, let's change it up a bit. Here's the fourth question. Is the fear you want to pull on something that you want to write about, something that you're exaggerating or making up just to create an action? If the answer is yes, then you want to stop and don't use that fear. Okay, question number five. Do you understand the bad consequences that your customer can avoid when they apply your solutions or your products or your services? Well, if the answer is yes, then by all means, point out the negative things that may happen without scaring them to take action. Okay, we're halfway there. Question number six, can you define genuine ways that your prospective customer may be vulnerable to a particular fear or threat that your solution solves? If the answer is yes, then you can use that information in a factual, straightforward manner without hyper-manipulation. Okay, question number seven. Is the deadline you're sharing genuine and unmovable? I mean, seriously, are you going to stick to your guns and not move that deadline later? If the answer is yes, well, you can use authentic FOMO, fear of missing out. It becomes a slippery slope when you keep moving the deadline just to make sales, or you never had an intent on keeping that deadline in the first place. Okay, number eight, are you pressurizing your clients to sign up with a short window of time just to make that sale? Well, instead of doing that, why don't you consider offering a discount or bonus to anyone who signs up with an X number of hours? You can add value and create a sense of authentic urgency instead of pinging on pressurized fear. Okay, let's look at question number nine. Does your marketing communications fabricate a fear that everyone else uses in their marketing? If the answer is yes, please stop. We never want to fabricate a fear or try to look like someone else. All right, here's question number 10. Can you empathize with your audience, your readers, your prospective customers about the fear or risk that they may be afraid of? If the answer is yes, then by all means, you want to share your understanding without any twisted realities, without any hype. And make sure that you're validating their feelings and experiences by showing your deep understanding. Okay, here's question number 11. Is the warranty or guarantee that you're offering based on some fear? Well, if the answer is yes, 
please, please consider revising or removing that technique because you don't want to offer a fear-based warranty or guarantee just to create a sale or even an upsell. And here's the last point in this list of questions, what I call question 11 and a half. Is there any fear, guilt, or shame in what you've written in your marketing communications? If the answer is yes, well, you just want to revise or remove it from your marketing altogether because you never want your audience to feel fear, shame, or guilt that has that twisted reality to it. Instead, what you want to do is you want to empower them. Okay, there you have it. Those are the 11 and a half questions. And um, I hope you found value in those and you'll be able to download uh, those 11 and a half questions if you go to joycaps.com forward slash fear questions. But as you can see, there are many times when it's okay to use fear in your marketing communications. As long as it's truthful, authentic, genuine, and not fabricated. You know, since fear is a relatable emotion that we all possess, it is definitely one way to connect with customers and show how your products and solutions help them overcome those fears. But using fear, well, it's also a slippery slope. The temptation is to stretch the truth just a little bit. And, and I get it. I've been there too. But instead of doing that, why not invite the Holy Spirit into what you're doing and keep your eyes focused on the Lord? That way, you will connect with your customers in an emotional way that is authentic and ethical and genuine and real. You know, what we've been talking about reminds me of a story from the Old Testament. You're probably familiar with it. It's the one about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's the time when King Nebuchadnezzar wanted everyone to bow down to him and worship him. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they they refused to do it because they love the Lord. And you know, the whole time they were being threatened, fear was was thrown at them in a variety of different ways. In fact, they were threatened that if they didn't bow down, they would be thrown into the pit of fire. And even though that threat was very real, they kept their eyes on the Lord. In fact, even though they were thrown into the pit of fire, they kept their eyes on the Lord. Did they have fears? Well, yeah, you bet, because they're human. But did they allow King Nebuchadnezzar to pull on those fears and, and create them um, an action that they didn't really want to do? No. Why? Because they kept their eyes on Jesus. And when they came out on the other side of the fire, they didn't even smell like smoke. Well, you can do that in your marketing communications. You can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can point out those very real fears but you can do it in such a way that it doesn't intimidate people and get them to create false actions, get them to do things that they would have never done in the first place. Plainly said, and to answer the question that I posed with this episode, is it ethical to use fear in marketing? Well, sure. If you keep your eyes on Jesus and talk about that fear with genuine, not fabricated understanding, that is Make sure it's completely void of twisted realities that are designed to get people to do things. 
In today's episode, we looked at why fear is a powerful persuasion tool, common ways that business uses fear, what the ultimate how-to guide says about fear, and ethical times that you may possibly use fear in your marketing communications. If you'd like a list of those 11 and a half questions, well, there's a link in my show notes where you can download them or you can just go directly to joycaps.com forward slash fear questions to download them. You know, while fear is a powerful motivator and tool, my favorite thing to do is flip that script of fear by focusing on love instead. So in the next episode, we'll dive into the emotion of love. We'll look at why love is so powerful, how some use love to market, what God's word says about love, and when you can use love in your marketing. If you're interested in reading more about the definition of joyful copy, you can read about it in section two of my book, Joyful Copy, How to Show Up in the Marketplace Ethically and Authentically. It is available in online retailers around the globe, such as Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and more. This first season of the Joyful Communications podcast is designed to help business leaders and professional business communicators take a dive into the concept of joyful copy, which hones in on the nine characteristics found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 and Philippians 4, 8. In the coming episodes, you and I will look at each trait from the world's perspective, and then you and I will unpack how and why to demonstrate each characteristic in your life, in your business, and in your marketing communications. This wraps up the fourth episode of the Joyful Communications Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the key points and grab the free download of the 11 and a half fear questions, or you can visit joycaps.com forward slash fear questions. If you enjoyed this episode or have any kind of feedback, please reach out to me. You can reach me at joy at joycaps.com. Better yet, I would love it if you would share this podcast with others and consider giving me a review and rating. Finally, never miss a show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, be blessed. Be blessed.